We read God's holy word this morning in the 30th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 30. We'll read together the first 17 verses. The words of Agur, the son of Jakey, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithael, even unto Ithael, man you call. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who shall establish, who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of God in vain. Accuse not a servant unto his master. And the idea is falsely accuse lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. There is a generation that curseth their father, and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to deliver the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. The horse leech hath two daughters, crying, Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied, Yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. The eye that mocketh at his father, and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley, shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. There ends our reading of God's word this morning. 
May the Lord add his blessing to our reading of the Holy Scripture. The passage that we've read bears on the instruction of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 39, which concerns the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. What doth God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, and all in authority over me, and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, make thy word known unto thy servant so that he in turn may make it known to this people. Thy word and will in the fifth commandment of thy law. And may thy word as we hear it this morning confirm us in our obedience to thy will expressed in the fifth commandment. Forgive our sins. For Christ's sake, amen. It is a striking fact that five of the ten commandments make direct reference to the Christian family, the covenant home that consists of believers and their children. This underscores the crucial role that the covenant home plays in the purpose of God. That is the case with the second commandment, the commandment that condemns image worship. The commandment speaks of God as a jealous God who visits the iniquity against this commandment, the second commandment, upon a man's children unto the third and fourth generation. At the same time, God shows mercy. Mercy in the generations of those who worship him a right to thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. Also, the fourth commandment mentions the Christian family. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
not only thou, man of God, and thy wife, who is one with thee, but thou and thy son and thy daughter, and even the servants who are part of your household, they must all remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The fifth commandment with which we are concerned this morning commands children to honor, to obey their father and their mother. Clearly, in the fifth commandment, the Christian home and relationships within the Christian home are on the foreground. And, of course, the seventh commandment, which condemns the evil of adultery. The seventh commandment is directed to the welfare of the Christian family. The godly marriage that is the foundation of the Christian home. Husbands and wives are to love one another and to be faithful to each other until death parts them. They are not to sin against their spouse. They are not to sin against their children by having sexual relationships, committing adultery, with someone else. That is a direct attack on the Christian family. And the Tenth Commandment, the Tenth Commandment that forbids coveting, it too concerns the Christian family. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, the Tenth Commandment isn't concerned with the building of wood or stone in which your neighbor lives. But house there is household or family. Thou shalt not covet his household, his family, his wife, his children, her husband, their children. A godly wife, and that's why in the Tenth Commandment, right after, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, which is really household, then follows the most important member of the covenant household, the wife. A godly wife is the heart and soul of a Christian family. The Christian man ought to cling to his wife. All his desires ought to be directed to her this is 
for the glory of God, but this is also for the good of God's covenant in this world. This morning, the fifth commandment. It's the first commandment on the second table of God's law. You will remember that when we began our treatment of the Ten Commandments, we noticed that those commandments are written on two tables or tablets of stone. The first four commandments on the one table. Those commandments that concern directly our relationship to God and our worship of God and of Him alone. The second table containing the last six commandments concerns especially our duty towards our neighbor, not necessarily our neighbor living next door to us, but first of all, our neighbors in the congregation. The fifth commandment is the first commandment on that table that tells us how we are to live with our neighbors. The fifth commandment is a transitional commandment. It connects the first table and it begins the second table. The connection to the first table, which concerns our relationship to God, is that Christian parents, children and young people, your parents represent God to you. They stand in the place of God in your family. At the same time, the fifth commandment concerns our duty towards our neighbor. The very first neighbors that enter our lives. The neighbors to whom we have the closest relationship. They are our father and our mother. There are two applications of the fifth commandment. There is the first, the immediate application of parents and their children. How must covenant parents and covenant children live together in the family and in the church of God? What are the duties both of the parents and of the children? But there's a broader application to the fifth commandment. That broader application concerns all those who are in positions of authority over us. All whom God has appointed to regulate 
our lives in the church as well as in society. That will be the focus of the sermon next Lord's Day, God willing. This morning, children and parents, the application of the fifth commandment to the most crucial relationship in the church of Jesus Christ. Consider with me this morning, once again under the overarching theme, God's law for his redeemed people this morning, honor your parents. Let's notice first the obedience that is enjoined. Secondly, the rebellion that is forbidden. And finally, the reward that is promised. The fifth commandment concerns authority and obedience to those who are in authority over us. That's plain from the language of the 39th Lord's Day. The Lord's Day speaks of those who are in authority over me. It speaks of my calling to submit myself to them. And it speaks of God who is pleased to govern me by their hand. The fifth commandment concerns our calling with respect to all in authority, beginning with father and mother. The calling is to honor our father and mother. But honor concerns someone who is in authority over us. And honor is the calling of those who are under authority. Honor concerns the right attitude that we are to have towards those in authority. So what is authority? Authority is the God-given right to rule. The God-given right to tell somebody else how they must live and what they must do. That is authority. Authority has nothing to do with power. Nothing. In God, of course, they are the same. God has all authority, but he also has all power. He is omnipotent to enforce his authority. But what's true of God is not necessarily true of us human beings. Your mother, children and teenagers, your mother, who is six inches, maybe a foot, shorter than you, who is not nearly as strong 
as you are, young men. Nevertheless, you are called by God to honor and to obey your mother. God is the one who gives parents their authority. God is the one who put you under their authority by causing you to be born into their family or to be adopted by them legally. Honor your father and your mother. God is the one, we said, who put your parents in authority over you. Now, it's possible, in a way, to honor your parents, to honor them outwardly, to do what they say, not to do what they say you may not do, but all the while, you're angry with them in your heart. You're upset about it, that they won't let you do what you want to do. You're angry with them, even though outwardly you do or don't do what they say. That's not, that's not obedience to the fifth commandment. You must obey them, first of all, because you understand that God has set them over you. God has given you these parents, this father, this mother, with all of their weaknesses. And he says to you, Honor your father and your mother. And your mother. She is specifically mentioned in Proverbs 30. She's mentioned in verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. And again in verse 17 she's mentioned, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Obedience to your parents, submission to your parents, in the Lord's Day, there are three alls that underscore the duty of covenant children. Only two of them are included in the English translation that we have, but the German has three alls 
not just two, that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and all, second all, all in authority over me and submit myself to, and here's where the other all is, and submit myself to all their good instruction and correction with due obedience. All. You may not pick and choose children. You may not obey father and mother when you agree with them. But when you disagree with them or are upset with them, especially when they won't let you do something, won't let you go with those friends to that particular place, then your calling is no different. You are called to honor and to obey. The fifth commandment, by the way, we need to say that today. Implies a father and a mother in the Christian family. Not two fathers, not two mothers, not a man living with his girlfriend or a young lady living with her boyfriend. The father and mother of the fifth commandment are a father and mother who have been joined in holy marriage before God as the seventh commandment will make plain. Honor. That honor includes the, the heart, your attitude towards your parents. Not merely outward obedience that they can see and that others can see. But honor is a matter of your heart. That's a striking thing. That the fifth commandment is not obey your father and mother. That's part of it. That's going to come. But first of all, there must be a right attitude in your heart towards your father and mother. The attitude of your heart that these are the parents God has given to me. And therefore, from the heart, I honor them. And besides obeying, honoring, the fifth commandment calls you 
to love your father and your mother. Love. That's the second table of God's law. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says. That's the second table. Soul. Godly Christian children and parents are to love father and mother. That love is not merely natural affection. It's not the love of a mother dog for her puppies or a doe for her fawns. There is that too in humankind. A natural affection towards our offspring. But that's not what God's law is talking about. It's talking about the love that you ought to have for them. For God's sake, the love that you ought to have for them, that isn't merely natural, but is also spiritual. The love that you ought to have for them, out of thankfulness to God, that of all the parents in the whole wide world, that God could have caused you to be born to. Amazing to say, God caused you to be born to a believing father and mother. God caused you to be born as the babies who were born this week into a family that fears and loves God. What a blessing. What a privilege. And now, in thankfulness to God for that, honor and obey your parents. One last thing that's included, fidelity, fidelity, the Heidelberg Catechism says. Fidelity is just faithfulness. That's always a characteristic of genuine love. A husband who loves his wife is faithful to his wife. A wife who loves her husband is faithful to her husband. So too, children who love their parents are faithful to them. That faithfulness, that fidelity towards your parents is especially your faithfulness to them in the instruction that they've given you. You're faithful to that teaching, that teaching that concerns every area of life, 
your calling in whatever specific calling that may be. It's fidelity to the godly instruction that they've given you. Honoring that instruction. Obeying that instruction. But that fidelity also concerns your parents physically and naturally. It's faithfulness to your parents so long as they are living. It's fidelity to them. In their old age, when they become very weak, need special care not to turn your back on your parents, but to be involved in getting the care that they need, never turning your back on them. It's true that parents in our day are guilty of abandoning their children. Faithlessness, not fidelity, but the opposite towards their children. That may not be the extreme unfaithfulness of dropping a newborn baby off at a fire station, but it may be much later when your parents become old that you abandon them. And that too is a plague in our society. Fidelity to their instruction, by the way, I meant to refer to verses 5 and 6 of the chapter that we read. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And the sin that is forbidden is rebellion. Rebellion against your parents. Rebellion is strictly forbidden. This is the sin, not only of disobeying your, your parents, but of overthrowing their authority over you. Maybe running away. Maybe in some instances, you think they're too strict with you. They're unfair towards you. Their correction of you is not in love, but in anger. You're convinced of that, and that may indeed be the case. And these are not only weaknesses and infirmities, these are sins. Sins on the part of us parents against you. Sins that we parents ought to see. You may talk to your parents. You should be able to talk to them. If you think 
that they're dealing with you too severely, too harshly. Not rebel against them, but talk to them. In any case, you must obey them. Even the weaknesses and infirmities of your parents. You see, God isn't pleased to give perfect parents to anybody. God isn't pleased to give to his covenant seed perfect parents. He does that for a couple of reasons. Certainly he does that to humble us as parents. The wonder is not that God is pleased to save our children, but a few go astray. The wonder is that God saves any of them, any of them, when we look at ourselves and our weaknesses. That's humbling to us, to us parents. We need humility. But then that also underscores the great truth that the salvation of any of our children is not due to us, is due to God. That's why God is not pleased to give perfect parents to covenant children so that the glory for their salvation is His and His alone. Rebellion against your parents is forbidden. That may take several forms. It may take the form of attempting to get from under their authority, running away, leaving home. Or it may be the expression of resentment against your parents. They tell you to do one thing and you do the opposite. Or they tell you to do one thing and they backtalk and say things that they shouldn't say in response to what their mother or father has said to them. That's a very serious thing. Still works that a young person would strike his father or his mother in the Old Testament. That meant death. Death by stoning any young person who laid a hand on one of their parents. You can read about that in Exodus 21, verse 15. Another form of rebellion is that the children and young people refuse to take to heart the instruction that's given to them. They refuse when their parents say, don't listen to that awful music, that God-dishonoring music. And they keep on listening. You keep on listening to it. Your parents say, you mustn't go out with that crowd. You mustn't be in the company of those boys or girls because it's known 
that they drink. It's known that they have wild parties or whatever. But you don't listen to your parents. You go with these other young people, probably unbelieving young people. You go to the wild party. That's rebellion against your parents. A third form of rebellion is disparaging talk about those in authority, about your parents to others. And children and young people can easily fall into this sin. Or they disparagingly talk about their teachers at school who stand in the place of their parents. And too often, we parents are responsible for that behavior on the part of our children because in our home, we disparage the president that God has given to us. We don't only disagree with his policies, but we disparage the man and others who are in authority over us. The elders in the congregation, the Christian school teacher. No wonder then that our children follow our lead and mimic us. It is not rebellion. Neither is it putting up with patiently bearing with the infirmities and even the sins against us by our parents. The exception is physical and sexual abuse. I don't mean that it's an exception so that now you may rebel against your parents, not that. But if that's going on in any aspect of your life, whether in your own home, at school, or other places, you know you, are, you yourself are experiencing this, or you know someone who is. Go to someone in authority that you are sure will listen to you and take you into their confidence. A teacher, an elder in the church, your pastor. Out of love, not revenge, out of love for a parent who is walking sinfully, grievously sinfully, get the help that you need so that they may be stopped and may be corrected. There is a reward that is promised to those who honor their father and their mother. 
And that reward is that they will live long upon the land which the Lord God has given them. That's an incentive, a motivation to children to honor their parents. Now that land isn't the earthly piece of ground that's in Palestine. But that land was a picture in the Old Testament. It was a picture of heaven. They who obey those in authority, they who obey them for God's sake, out of love for God, and obedience to God, inherit the heavenly Canaan. They don't earn it. They don't earn it because their obedience is the work of God in them to begin with. And their obedience is always imperfect. It could never be that we earn or merit. But this reward is a reward of grace. The reward that is promised is the heavenly Canaan, the new Jerusalem, the kingdom where the son of David rules on an everlasting throne the Son of David, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. This promise is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Son of His Father. He's referred to in Proverbs 30. He's mentioned in verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended, who hath gathered the wind in his fists, who hath bound the waters in a garment, who hath established all the ends of the earth, what is his name and what is his son's name. If thou canst tell. Well, we can tell. Because the rest of Scripture tells us. He was the only one perfectly obedient to his Father in all, all things that his Father required of him. Obedient even unto death in order to save the other of the children of God, his brothers and his sisters, whom we are. Thanks be to God for His Son that we and our sons and our daughters might be saved. Amen. Father in heaven, there is no commandment like this commandment that impresses upon us our weakness. How far short we 
fall. It is a wonder to any of us who are parents that any of our children are saved. But thou art a faithful, a sovereign, a covenant God who is pleased to save his children from among our children. We cannot thank thee enough. Now bless thy word unto our hearts. Send us home with thy blessing. Forgive our sins. For Jesus' sake, amen.